Uh, while the kids are leaving, I don't know why I keep thinking about this uh, experience I had um, last week. I was in Brooklyn, New York for a meeting with uh, some people in Princeton, and I had the opportunity, I'll tell you why later, to stay up to like 2.30 in the morning talking to uh, six young adults, none of whom are engaged in any kind of faith community. <laughs> Oh. Um, and we just talked about how there are so many places in their lives where they are uh, built up in a sense, where, uh, you know, they are uh, learning, you know, to be physically strong, where they are intellectually stimulated, where they are uh, learning to be workers for justice in the world. They all care very much about what's happening in the world. Um, but there's really no place to connect with their spirit. They haven't found a community of faith. I mean, of course, you might imagine. I'm trying very hard. I'm basically like their mother. They all call me Mama Pam. But I, I'm, I'm like not trying to be too parental, but I'm like, people, you need this. So I'm glad you're here today. Because there are lots of places out there where you can get a lot of other good nurture but here, here is a time set apart to attend to your soul and the things of the spirit. Speaking of that, in this time of year, I'm always, um, uh, year after year after year after year, it changes slightly, but I'm always kind of interested in the nearly competitive spirit with which people talk about, are you ready for Christmas? Now, it pains me to say although it's changed a little bit, that it's mostly women. You know, one will maybe brag, like, I got all the Christmas lights up this weekend. Well, I've got all my Christmas presents, a one-up kind of, uh, you know, I've, they're all wrapped. Well, I, and if you're a keen observer, you notice that the countenance changes of the people who aren't ready. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, I've had this, I've had that. Or some might even, you know, you can kind of see it on the go. I've decided not to do any of that this year. They're going to be kind of uh, countercultural. So the question out there all the time, and we've talked about this last week, is are you ready for Christmas? And that is, in the culture, one thing. But in here, it's something different. And it's not only for women to prepare spiritually for Christ. Uh, I remember that old um, holiday song, uh, and this is how you know it's mostly women who prepare for Christmas. Over the river and through the woods too. I think grandfather probably lived there <laughs> too, but he was not associated with the preparations for Christmas. But the kind of preparation we're talking about is preparation for everybody, every impatient child, every angsty teenager, every overworked and overburdened parent, every young adult who's struggling to find meaning and purpose and is overscheduled themselves, every uh, sometimes left out single. It doesn't matter who you are, everybody, the overjoyed, and the depressed, 
the overworked and the bored to death. Everybody, let every heart prepare him room. That's the kind of preparation we're talking about today. Let us pray. Gracious God, we have gathered in this place to step out of the rush of Christmas in our culture, to slow down, to listen deeply for your word. And as we turn now to it, each coming with with the animals praising you. We have each come with our own burdens, our own joys. You alone, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can turn these ancient words into a message of good news for each and all of us. And so we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, So for those of you who haven't been here, we're following what's called the lectionary. Uh, Last Sunday, the lectionary starts with kind of an apocalyptic kind of when are the end times coming, and we talked about what it means to uh, to just not not worry about the timing, but to be awake to signs of Christ's presence. Uh, And this week, um, we begin with the Gospel of Mark, the very first chapter, the very first eight verses, and it goes like this. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, so Mark is is looking back. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Is this kind of buzzing or is it just me? No, okay. Um, So this is an interesting little thing about this. Uh, So I'm sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one, and we've often read it like this, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. But many of the ancient manuscripts have it like this. The voice of one crying out, comma, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. So think about that. Make his path straight. So John the baptizer appears in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance, confession, and forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean region and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locust and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I think that's just going to be the whole time. It's okay. I agree. So you may have noticed that in the Gospel of Mark, The Gospel of Mark is not the one we use on Christmas Eve to do Christmas pageants because did you notice anything missing? There's no birth narrative in the Gospel of Mark. There's no singing angels, there's no mangers, there's no inn, there's no innkeeper saying no room, none of that. 
In the Gospel of Mark, we start right head in, plunged into the wilderness. In the wilderness. And people come out to John in the wilderness. Prepare the way. John the Baptist is in all the Gospels. He comes a little later in the others because they have some kind of different introduction to the birth. But he's uh, lots of speculation around John the Baptist. Like, why is he uh, in the wilderness? Why is he in solidarity, eating food and wearing clothes in solidarity with the poor? Um, you know, some people you may remember, uh, another gospel tells us he was born to very old parents. Uh, did they die and he became an orphan or on the street? Uh, did he, because of some like very strong sense of call, uh, his father was a priest. He could have been in the lineage to be a priest. Did he renounce that in order? We don't know. Here's the thing. He's in the wilderness, and he's calling people. And the, in, in for our purposes, thinking about Advent and what this means as we're thinking about the beginning of our faith story, of our story in Christ, it looks back to Isaiah, and then this beginning in the wilderness. John the Baptist, in a sense, calls us all to that preparation for the one coming. It is a call to confession and repentance. It is a call that starts in the wilderness where the wild things are. Now, the wilderness in the Bible is a really interesting place throughout the whole biblical narrative. The Israelite story begins in the wilderness. Abraham is in the wilderness when God calls him and says, I'm going to bless you, and you're going to be a blessing to all people. The wilderness, the, the people wander in the wilderness. You remember this, and there they struggle, and they, they discover, and they have to come to terms with their own waywardness and with their deep and profound need and reliance on God, need for and reliance on. Um, in the wilderness, God gives the law of love. So there's all these, the wilderness is a place of paradox. It's both a place of struggle and a place of revelation and a place of meeting God. And John the Baptist uh, invites us into the wilderness for confession and repentance, to face our past, to acknowledge our need for forgiveness, and to answer God's call. In some ways, if, you were to, if we were to usurp the holiday song I, I did earlier, we would say, um, uh, over the ego and through the wild to Bethlehem we go. Because that's really what this wilderness call is about. It's to go into the wilderness and face our own wild things. How many of you remember this fantastic childhood book, Where the Wild Things Are? For those of you who don't remember it, this wonderful little boy, Max, is misbehaving. He's wearing, his mother says, you're a wild thing. Go to your room. So Max goes to his room, and there he confronts the wild things. When he came to the place where the wild things are, they roared their terrible roars, they gnashed their terrible teeth, they rolled their terrible eyes, and they showed their terrible claws. 
this really is the invitation. Advent, in, in many ways, this, like this is like Lent. It is an invitation to confront the wild things in us, the wild things that gnash their teeth and show their claws and roll their eyes. That's what this invitation from John the Baptist is. In the third century, there were the group of, of people called the Desert Fathers and Mothers. Uh, I mention them because desert is another word for wilderness. So, and, and they developed a spirituality uh, that, has, that has a lot of um, uh, practices associated with it. And uh, you could very well call it wilderness spirituality. It really is an invitation, just like John the Baptist, to follow Max where the, to where your wild things are. And uh, there's three aspects to it. And I, I'm, I give you these because I, I hope you'll talk to each other about it's really one practice, but it has three parts. Solitude, silence, and prayer. So as we think about what do we do to prepare our own hearts for Christ? Silence, solitude, silence, and prayer. And let me just say a little bit about each one. Solitude is not to be confused with escaping. It is not to be confused with the teenager's cry, leave me alone, or the parent's cry, I just need a minute to myself. It is more than just, uh, I, I love it, young adults always use this, I need some me time. Uh, that was such a foreign concept to me when I first heard someone say that. I was like, me time, what is that? Uh, solitude is different. Solitude is not just escaping and being alone. Uh, Henry Nouwen, who has written a wonderful book about these practices, uh, called The Way of the Heart. It was extraordinarily formative to me as a young minister. Um, solitude, he says, is the furnace of transformation. It's where our lives and our spirit embrace one another. Our ministry, and each of us has one, not only people with a title. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, beware of people who cannot be alone, who cannot be in solitude for they will be harmful to the community and to themselves. He also says, beware of only being alone and not being in community, and beware of being only in community but not knowing how to be in solitude. In solitude, we, have, we face those wild things our own insatiable greed. We all have them. This is not to make anybody feel guilty or shame. We all have them. Our compulsive need to be right. Our reticence to offer grace and forgiveness, oftentimes to those we love the very most. We all have wild things. And in our general living, if we don't retreat for some time of solitude and silence and prayer, 
we end up just rationalizing all that. Oh, I wasn't myself. Well, actually, yeah, you were. That's a part of you. You were. So we let go of pretense in solitude and confront the wild things, the noise and the chaos that they bring, and we come alive to Emmanuel Christ in us. That's how we make room. We don't banish them. They can't be banished. We tame them. That's the greatest part. This is, this is Max when he meets the wild things. Love this line. Max said, be still, and tamed them with the magic trick of staring into all their yellow eyes without blinking once. This is the invitation of John the Baptist. Come into the wilderness and stare into the eyes of your own wild things. And what goes hand in hand with solitude is the silence. And silence is not just the absence of noise. It is that stillness. Be still and know that I am God. Be still, says Max. All you crazy wild things who are roaring and gnashing and clawing, be still. Be still. And then in that solitude and in that silence, and again, silence and solitude are not they're not measured by how much time you're away. They're not even measured by the fact that are you actually alone. They're, they're a quality of your heart that can stay with you even when you are in a crowd, that can be true. You can have the quality of a silent and still heart even when you're in conversations with others. Henry Nowen puts it this way, it's a portable cell we carry within us wherever we go. So this wilderness adventure of solitude and silence, of going where the wild things are, is much like, I, I think, someone who has actually worded it better than anyone I've ever known, is the poet Rumi. And he puts it this way. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. The wild things show up. Welcome and entertain them all, even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. They may be cleaning you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in like Max and his wild things. Be grateful for whatever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. We do not have to be afraid of the wild things. Read the Gospel of Mark this week. Just following these verses, Jesus is baptized, and then he goes into the wilderness, and guess who was there with him? 
wild beast. When you are facing your wild things, you are not alone. Christ himself is in the wilderness with us, and we can pray and listen, and we will be guided in silence, in solitude, in prayer. We can dare to go where the wild things are, and we will have a heart better prepared for the one who has come and is still coming, the one whose life we celebrate this season, Christ Jesus the Lord. Amen. This is our, um, our moment for the offering. And I've said this before, but, um, you know, I know probably most of you, if I ask for a raise of hands, probably most hands, don't actually put anything in the baskets. Probably most of you. Now, I know my husband usually does because he's old school and he always has something in his pocket. It's just like, if you were raised that way, you do. But uh, no, it's lovely, it's lovely. I never do. Uh, but we give. Many, many, many of you give. Oftentimes online. So you can do that. But still, we do this. This time set apart in our service. Because it's not just about offering our gifts, our material gifts, to support the work of the church. It is also a time to reflect on how are we following Jesus on where is God calling us, and, and, and to reflect on the message, the call today. What does it mean for you to go where the wild things are in solitude and silence and prayer? So during this season, and uh, I know sometimes people visit, and so if you're a guest here today, this is family business, but we do it together when we're gathered, and that is we are in a season of pledging, and we do want to exceed because particularly because we're calling a new pastor, we want to have more pledges than we've ever had. So if we could get to, I didn't bring my number down here. What is it, Joe? 30, 34, I think it is. Anyway, we want to have 34 pledges. Right now we have, let me get this. I do want to get this right. Hold on. Right now we have 15 pledges for $329,000. Now, our budget last year was 800000 we, we We need more people to pledge. We need more dollars in order to uh, set our budget for the coming year. And that budget includes everything from animals at Christmas time <laughs> to uh, keeping the lights on, sometimes repairing things. Uh, you know what it is. Some of it's not very exciting, uh, paying our staff. But uh, so during the baskets going around today, uh, two things. One contemplate and listen for how God is calling you into your own wilderness and what that can mean for your own preparation uh, spiritually for Christmas. Uh, but also there are pledge cards. You can take something out of the basket. If you uh, would like a pledge card uh, that you can take home, discuss with your loved ones, and, um, and really I, I urge all of you, we, I hope we have our best pledge ever to really communicate 
to our, our new senior pastor, Lindsay Slocum, uh, that this church is behind the mission that we are about in calling people to follow in the way of Jesus. Uh, that's what we're about. So let us all give freely as God has so freely given to us. Let me pray. Gracious and present God, we remember in this moment what is so easy to forget, that all that we have and all that we are is pure gift. I give you thanks for the gifts given back, given back to support the work of this congregation, calling people to follow in the way of Jesus. Bless these gifts, multiply them for your kingdom of a just and generous and joyful and peaceful world. In Christ's name, amen.